Welcome to Top 10 Thursdays. We are Sean Lemmy. John Otney. Colin Westman. And it is so close to July. The seventh month of the year out of 12. Meaning that June would be the sixth month of the year. Because it's the one that's going on right now. And it would also be ending. I'll agree with that logic. <laughs> Checks out. And if we're all on the same page here, that means we're about halfway through the year 2013. True. Where are you going with this? Well, now, this is, this is kind of a thing. Bear with him. At the end of the year, well, usually the start of the next year, we like to reflect on the, on the previous year and, and do, like, lists of our favorite stuff, our favorite movies, our favorite TV shows, our favorite video games. Well, my favorite video games. <laughs> um, and since we're halfway there, maybe it's a good idea to like kind of give a preview of, of some of the stuff we're going to be talking about six months from now. And some of the stuff that will may probably be forgotten, too. Yeah. This be overshadowed by other stuff. Yeah, it's a, it's a reference point and, and, and a tribute to a year that has been, on almost every account, disappointing. Um, they passed the, the, or the Supreme Court protected gay, gay marriage today, so that's pretty cool. It's pretty unrelated for what we're talking about, though. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, just thinking in the large in, in the large In the large, yeah. I don't have a lot of great... 2013 memories yet. I mean, music's been good enough for me. That's yeah. I've, I've been satisfied. You guys both satisfied with music? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Should we start with music then? No. <laughs> gotta work up to it, Sean. You gotta start at the bottom. The point of least interest. <laughs> Sorry to say. So video games. I mean, yeah. I can do my like favorite video games of 2009 right now. Sorry, that's kind of <laughs> like the year I'm on. Why? I'm just because I feel like I'm, you know, I'm just a few years behind. Is this where you are mentally right now? No, I mean in my video game playing. Okay. So how it works, Sean basically just recommends video games <laughs> he liked that are now cheap enough for you to buy. At yeah, a pretty much. Used price. Yeah, it's great. Okay. Except he, I keep screwing up. He keeps not liking things that I like. <laughs> I've, I've liked Mass Effect, so. That's that's a big relief because those are my my favorite games. Except you're not digging Mass Effect 3, which a lot of people weren't. I mean, it's fine. It's just not quite as interesting as Mass Effect 2. But That's true. I digress. So I'm just going to speed run a few of these. Um, and then you played some of them. Maybe we'll talk about a couple of the ones on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first big game I played this year that I really liked was DMC, uh, the new Devil May Cry game developed by Ninja Theory. Uh, made a bunch of changes to that franchise. You know, he's got black hair now. He's like a punk teenage son of a bitch. Uh, 
but it was pretty fun to play, and the, and the story's good. I mean, Ninja Theory always does good stories. They did um, Enslaved Odyssey to the West, which was one of my favorite games from a few years ago. You probably picked that up now, Nancy. It's probably in the like nine ninety nine bin at this point. Um, Tomb Raider got rebooted this year as well. Another big uh, reboot. Uh, I want to play that. It was the first Tomb Raider game I actually like really played. I'd played demos of some of the earlier ones, but I'd never been interested in the franchise because I always just thought it was this lady has big breasts and she also has two guns and she does flips. And like that has not been enough to sell me on a game. Uh, but here they basically just made another Uncharted game. And since Naughty Dog is off doing something rather different, uh, I appreciate you having a, a nice Uncharted-esque experience. Think I'd like it? I think you would. I want to play it, but I want it to be like cheap or free. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you gotta get on PC gaming. It's, I noticed you like I could get it from like Red Redbox and just try to beat it a couple days, right? Yeah, uh, it's theory. It's, it's probably like a like a fourteen-hour experience. You could. It's a, it's a long. So weekend, for me, it'd be like two you. weeks. Okay. Two, three weeks. <laughs> you got to commit to it, I guess. Um, there are a few other games like uh, Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon, which was announced as an April Fool's thing, and it turned out to be a real game. I don't know if you guys even heard about this one. It's like uh, the 80s. Yeah, now. it's the one that like tries to go all 80s, and, and uh, it takes the Far Cry 3 mechanics, which I, I really liked Far Cry 3, so that was fun and goofy. Uh, and another fun and goofy first-person shooter was Call of War as Gunslinger. Uh, I had avoided the Call of War as series because they always seem to be like a really bad Call of War as, and then the next one gets like okay reviews, and then the next one gets really bad reviews. Uh, but this one was just a tiny little $15 downloadable uh, first-person shooter in cowboy times. You just go like kill famous outlaws. It's pretty cool. Short, cheap, good time. Uh, and finally, the first like big deal game of the year, the one that I'm most certainly going to have on my list at the end of the year is Bioshock Infinite. Uh, have you even started on that yet, John? No, I'm trying to finish some other stuff before I get to it. It's pretty intimidating because I own it. And it's, I, haven't, I haven't taken it out of its wrapping. It's got like a million stickers on it. Like, oh, greatest game ever. It's like 500. <laughs> God, I don't know. This is I don't know why that intimidates me so much. But well, I'm, I'm probably going to start does playing it. Does it have the five-star rating from Mildly Pleased on it? <laughs> Because I know you gave it one of one of those rarities. To, yeah. To this game. Well, they're not as rare. I'll start playing games. it next week. But tell me why I should play it next week. Um, well, so you should know that there has been some backlash, but a lot of people have said they don't really like playing the game. They say that it, the violence is too violent and the the gunplay isn't that fun for them. Uh, I can't really speak to that experience because I, I really enjoyed playing the game. I played it on hard. I don't know if that made a difference compared to the normal experience. Um, but the game, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the Bioshock combat, but their whole thing was you have your gun in one hand and you have powers in the other hand. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of mix the powers together in this one, which was a big source of fun uh, for me. I, I would definitely recommend experimenting a lot with the game. It's not too overwhelming, is it? No, it can options. be. If, if you find a gun you like, you can use that gun the whole game. If you find one power you like, you can use that power the whole game. If you just want to shoot people with a shotgun and throw fireballs, that can be your, your deal. I don't remember if fireballs were a power. I think they were. I remember fire traps. Uh, but, of course, the, the big appeal of, of these Bioshock games is the story. Uh, it's it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to mess with your head. It's, 
It deals with a lot of political themes, a lot of cultural ideas, uh, things like like racism and fate and destiny. It, it gets really metaphysical uh, and uh, has an interesting setting too. On the other end of the spectrum, though, for uh, great video game storytelling, which has definitely been a thing these last couple years, I think there's been a lot of great uh, video game stories, um, is The Last of Us, which I know you've played some of that. What do you think of that so far, John? I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I like the gameplay. I mean, it's very much Uncharted. It feels like the same engine. I mean, I haven't played in a while Uncharted, but it feels like exactly well, the same. Well, and you see those things like kicking down the ladder and like yeah. holding the door open and the one of them sneaks through. And that's, that's, that's what works for me because I just thought that gameplay always felt so fluid and natural. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, it, and it's interesting to see it drop you into a new environment to be playing that kind of game but now like there's portions that are really scary mm-hmm. like that's that's something new that they're throwing at you and like I was stuck in multiple parts of this game for so long just cause I I was scared <laughs> and I hated being killed in scary ways over and over again <laughs> I mean I guess you could say the main foe of these games the zombie like creatures mm-hmm. uh, clickers those things are really scary like these uh, fungus like creatures that can't see and they always kill you in one hit, and they make all these creepy noises, and like, but they really stick with you, though. But there's just so much more than that. I mean, how do you feel about um, the gun combat and the way that you have to level up to not have his aim shake? Does that bother you? I didn't even notice the, sh- the shake. I didn't. I didn't know. You didn't even notice that? Yeah, uh, it's probably because my aim sucks. So I'm like, I bad. <laughs> But I do like customizing weapons and, and crafting items. Yeah. Those are nice little features that are pretty simple and basic. They always tell you when you need to craft. At least they do on normal mode. I don't know. <laughs> um, and the challenge level is fair. And it's not – doesn't seem like it's that long, but it's like good enough for me. Because yeah. I like – it's like a cinematic experience. You just play it for the one – once and then kind of remember that. And this, the cinematic stuff is all really good. The, the voice acting and the characters are all likable. Um, it's a little more like it's a little too like uh, it seems like very familiar this post-apocalyptic world uh-huh. like I was hoping it'd be like a little less I don't know I want to say like Walking Dead or something actually like I feel like because there's all these like all these people trying to survive I thought it would be cooler if it was just this main guy and his girl and like no one else like more like actually I Am Legend it feels very familiar like there's been a lot of apocalyptic stories that are pretty much the exact mm-hmm. same thing but it doesn't really matter because it's a video game so that's 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 a minor complaint. Yeah, uh, I I really like it too. I like um, how the gameplay elements tie into the story, the way that you're always having to scrounge for materials, and the way that like if you're exposed, you basically are doomed because the bad guy's going to kill you. Um, from a setting point of view, I liked looking at the at the like regrown city. It's it's interesting. It's set twenty years after the. You know, "Quote unquote zombie apocalypse in this world," um, so it's 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 all regrown and stuff. And and I think that what stands out the most to me is the way that this is a story about how life on Earth continues without really caring about whether there are humans on it or not. And that's something that I haven't ever seen a story tackle this well. Okay. The last uh, video game we wanted to give a little shout-out to was Nino Cooney, which I have not touched. Um, I don't even know how that happened. I, it just it did. But that's Studio Ghibli and... What's the other studio on there, Sean? I feel like that's something you'd know. Le- something 7? 
I will let him. <laughs> you should know this, Sean. The the guys who make um, like Dragon Warrior, right? Oh yeah, I, 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 something like that. Well, anyways, it's like a Japanese RPG, and what appealed Level to me, five? maybe to me about this as it's just like playing like a Studio Ghibli like movie and there actually is cutscenes that are animated with you know questionable British like voice actors and that's all really fun but it's also cool because it's kind of like Pokemon because you're this little boy and you're going to this magical world but then you have like these little creatures called familiars that you send out into battle and they evolve it's basically um, it's basically like Pokemon but it's like fucking huge I'm never going to finish it I'm like 20 hours in and like halfway through the game so but, it's basically all Japanese RPGs rolled into one yeah I mean there's all these side missions there's collecting monsters there's magic books there's all sorts of spells it's like and they keep throwing shit at you like you're in the middle of the game you're like okay I think this is everything I'm gonna have They're like oh wait now there's things where you can talk to genies it's like they keep throwing shit in but it's at like a good enough pace I guess so can you just tell me you you play as a little kid, right? Mm-hmm. Is this like a it's all in his head type deal? It's like there's two dimensions. He dies, and then he's gonna go into this other dimension to like try to like save her. But there's also there's save her. There's also like a dark lord or like white witch in that world. Can so try to save that world too. That's a nice guy. <laughs> but it, it's it's just a really pleasing presentation, and the gameplay is accessible. I don't usually like RPGs, but I don't know. This one stinks. I think just... I think it's because it's Studio Ghibli. Mm. It's like, I wish one of the, they'd make a movie more like this. You know? <laughs> Which I'm sure is okay, but... You know, it's fantasy action-adventure. Well, anyway, it's been a pretty interesting first half of the year. I mean, there was a God of War game. There was a Gears of War game. People didn't really care. This is, this is basically it. For Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3. Yeah, you can hear the impact of that finality. Um, I guess the Wii U's also out there chugging along. I played some Monster Hunter 3. That was all right. And new Luigi brother is out soon. That's cool. Uh, I look forward for, for more of that. And also the, uh, the release of the PS4 and the Xbox One should be pretty exciting. Um, although it seems like most of the big games are coming out in 2014. I think we've got Infamous Second Son this year and the new Pizza and Watch Dogs. That'll be cool. So lots of things to look forward to in the world of gaming, but let's talk about television. Okay. <laughs> 30 Rock. 30 Rock is the first one on our list. 30 Rock came to a wonderful conclusion this year. It was a very second half of the season in my opinion and a great yeah I thought the whole final season was really good seems like so long ago it kind of does I didn't remember but I remember it being good (laughs) (laughs) late January that it came to close yeah it was pretty fast January maybe early February we probably got like three episodes this year so I don't think it'll be on our podcast but I I think we all really appreciate that finale I liked a lot of aspects of it. I like that Kenneth finally took the reins. I like that uh, Liz Lemon basically adopted Jenna and Tracy. <laughs> um, 
Jack Jackal's gonna, gonna sail away. Oh, and yeah. then he got like an idea for a new microwave or something. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> coming back. Yeah, it was all nice. It was very funny, as that show often is. Often was. Often was. It was weird for me because I hadn't really seen a finale for a show that I've been watching for years and kind of grown up with in a while. Yeah, this is, it's, I definitely get the vibe that, like, this is another era ending. Yeah. With The Office, which we'll get to, I checked out of that long ago, so it didn't quite have the same impact. But fuck, I kept with it the whole time. And there was an emptiness inside when it was over. Yeah, and we tried to fill that void with some new shows, like Happy Endings, which had its, its third season... Uh, stretched out in a strange way by the ABC network mm-hmm. and then got cancelled yeah we got double doses of it I feel like every pretty much every time it aired this this year was a double dose which does it work for that show I don't know it's, it's a pretty manic show I was alright with it yeah just kept moving it's like nothing. it was a sitcom it's like this plot no there was kind of an arc this year where Penny got engaged to mm-hmm. handsome Brad Pitt-looking guy. Handsome Pete. Yeah, but that didn't really happen. But it did happen. They did get engaged, they but did. they didn't get married. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Spoiler! <laughs> did it have a happy ending? Well, you see, the thing with this show was every season finale is a wedding episode. Which I guess makes sense since the pilot revolves around an aborted wedding. Uh, but I would not necessarily say we're in a happy place. I guess no one's sad right now. Yeah, but there just wasn't a ton of finality yeah, to it. There's basically none. Yeah. But, yeah, we already talked about it. It felt good at the time. Yeah. Not good enough. If only Colin and I weren't so damn lazy and we had done all of ABC's marketing for them, we could have saved that show. I don't think that would have done it anyway. <laughs> I think some, some about ABC, they just wanted to get happy endings off the air. Some personal vendetta. Maybe they moved it to TBS. Well, the, I think it was uh, USA that was supposed to be picking it up, right? Mm-hmm. But then USA just got a bunch of shitty new comedies. <laughs> So I can squirt those out, <laughs> move on with life. Squirt those out. <laughs> uh, fans can't tell the difference. <laughs> uh, a show that was very successfully marketed was The Americans by the FX network. Yeah, I guess. It hooked me in just because. Eminence I- Front. Eminence Front was used in the promotional commercials. I was like, oh, yeah. And it was like, it's in the 80s. There aren't too many shows. I guess the, it's becoming a trend. They're becoming more shows that are set in the past, especially dramas. Like the Playboy Club. Ah, uh, yes. Or Pan Am. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it, it's got like a cool... Cold War spy feel to it, which I'm, I'm digging. Uh, the premise, of course, I guess is another thing that drew people in because it's fairly unique. It's, it's a, wrong. 
It's wrong. <laughs> I don't mean I don't know if this. I doubt. I don't think this happened. But uh, it's a pair of uh, KGB spies um, that have transplanted to America and are living as as this all American family, even though they're spies. It's okay. They speak better English than you. It's true. Remember that line from the trailer? Is it? Yeah. Yeah. They they got the perfect diction down. There there are like flashbacks where they show up in Russia and then they got like kind of an accent. I guess they had to work on it. Do you years. think they should have hired Russian actors to play these parts? Maybe. That have made it more fun, or would have made it a little too real. <laughs> I don't know. It's wrong with it being too real. People are gonna get scared. Yeah. Not trust Russia. Start the next Cold War. People are still pretty concerned about Russia and communism in this country. You can take that to the bank. Right. Speaking of the past, Mad Men had another season. It's kind of a depressing season, I feel like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Would you say more or less depressing than last year? I don't know. I mean, it's been a while. I'd say more depressing, just because I feel like all every single presentation Don had, it always it always like end up not going well. I'd say last season was a there's the looming threat of sadness, and this season was just the slow train wreck, where it just you haven't seen the finale yet, huh? No, I haven't. <laughs> It's not like something huge, but it's just like, ugh, it's like cringy. <laughs> I'd say it's pretty huge. I guess. Um, but I mean, it's not Lane killing himself huge. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they don't do that shit in the finale. That's that's more a couple episodes before the finale. But there were some huge twists this season, lest we forget uh, the big merger scene. And, of course, Sally's big scene a couple episodes ago. Uh, we're, we can talk about that, right? I'm just using his vague terms. We can, though, right? Who's going to care? <laughs> We've all seen it. <laughs> all right. She saw her dad cheating with another woman. Hmm? Mm-hmm. Nancy, yeah? What? Is Lynn? I tuned out. Don Draper's daughter caught him cheating... Like boning another woman. And that other woman was Lindsay from Freaks and Geeks. Hmm? 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 Oh, I saw her. She was on The Daily Show, so I knew that she was, like, on the show. <laughs> I'm, I'm with it. Okay. Well, it was, it was a big deal. Well, it was, was like, end of the world. That reveal. Like, oh, shit. She'll never look at him the same way again. Oh, was she? Yeah, based on that finale, maybe she can learn. Uh, also, Bob Benson. What's yes, his deal? the anomaly. Bob the enigma. The soulless abyss that is Bob Benson. Do we Bob learn Benson. in the finale who Bob no. Benson is? Uh-huh. You, you get to see a little more of his character But play he's out. still kind of like, what's his deal? Yeah. Uh, and I think I heard that that guy's on a show, like a network show now, so maybe we'll be getting a reduced order of Bob Benson in the final <laughs> no, season. No, I like, well, I know, I don't like, he's a guy you love to hate. Right? I feel, at this point, because I hated him too, but now I feel like he exists 
to be the opposite of Don Draper, where it's like Don Draper is a total shithead. He's an asshole to everybody, yet we love him. Bob Benson, like, just does nice things for everybody, and yet we hate him. But the same in that we don't know his past. Yeah, the same in that he's hiding a lot about his, his true identity. But he is kind of like a bizarro Don. I like that. It's really kept me going. That's, that's Bob like, Benson really kept me going? <laughs> that's something I'm really excited about. Did you hear that they might split up the last season? Of course they will. Worked so well for Breaking Bad. Yeah, because the next season is the last season of Mad Men. Mm -hmm. I guess it was Sopranos that set the precedent. Yeah, Pastor Galactica did it. And we're going into 69. (laughs) That's just how draws were. Yeah, Sopranos did Yeah, I guess it's like, because it's like, like maybe not as many people are watching it now, but it became a big budget show. So they have to like kind of work a little harder for that budget. That's definitely what I imagine happened with Alistair Galactica. He's justified. Remember that show, Justified? We watched it together like every time this year. Pretty much. I feel like we didn't watch the last few episodes, which were like the best episodes because <laughs> yeah. it got, got really entertaining towards the end. Like I remember one of the last ones... I just felt like it flew by so fast. Like you're so entertained with this cat and mouse game that's going on between Raylan. Uh... God damn it! What's uh? What's what's his name? Guy from Yesteryear. Yeah, he's in there. <laughs> I don't know which guy you're talking about. Walton Goggins. Uh, his name. Boyd. Boyd. Boyd Crowder. And they're all after. Uh... Guy whose name I can't forget. Scott yes. Thompson. Drew Thompson. Drew Thompson. Lots of Patton Oswald too. Lots of Patton Oswald. Badass Patton Oswald too. Yeah. I haven't seen him in a while, if ever. I mean, it's not like he's a total badass. Uh, I'd say he's a pretty badass when he stands up to torture. Yeah. I'm just saying, I feel like if you sell it as, oh, Pat Oswald, he's yeah. so badass in this scene. There's also this a season. scene where he has like the dumbest shootout of all time. <laughs> Ain't no one got no respect for a constable. What does that even mean? I the show did not make it very clear. No, he's <laughs> just a guy with a shitty car that kind of looks like it was a cop car. But I was pretty pleased with this season because it started out in a way that I was not that interested in it. Because uh, I've said before, I didn't like the direction they went with Ava and Boyd. And they brought in little boy from Jurassic Park, and I was like, "Ugh, I don't need any more of him after the Pacific." Uh, but they did away with all of that by like the third episode of the season, and they turned into Sweet Mystery, and they had the episode you were talking about that was like basically the closest to like an action movie episode I think the show's gotten, mm-hmm. uh, and some sweet climaxes. Probably not as profound a climax as last season's was. Uh, you, know, you remember the last shot from last season was, was pretty huge but this season was was pretty good too I mean that guy's not even on the show anymore the guy I'm talking about and I'm trying to keep it kind of veiled because I think you guys should check out Justified at some point it's pretty sweet, it's pretty sweet. and I know you guys should check out Game of Thrones because we talk about this every time we do a list that involves TV shows of the year um, so I'll just say that this season had you know 
the big oh shit moment of the entire series as far as I understand it and uh, you, gotta, you gotta see it to believe it <laughs> finish the second season I'm on my way um, my biggest problem with the second season was I thought the Daenerys stuff was boring as hell and maybe you felt the same way um, it was okay it wasn't that bad Daenerys like literally just kicks ass the entire season sounds good it means there's a little less Tyrion because he was totally the MVP last last time. Okay, uh, it's, it's all good, babe. Not as many boobs this year, but you know I'm getting wrapped up in the plot. I don't need him as much anymore. People on the internet are losing their shit, and I've been doing a pretty good job of not avoiding. If you can anything. get to the ninth episode yeah. of this season without spoiling it for yourself. You will be in for a treat. I'm or so excited. Something like the opposite of a treat. Okay. Sucker punch, I guess. And another show that ended this year in our downer section of the TV uh, was The Office. Did it end strong? Yes. Did I like the finale? Yes. Did I like the episode <laughs> before the finale more than the finale? Yes, but that's okay. Did you like anything that came before those episodes? Did I like them turning Andy into a villain, for example? Mm-hmm. No, that was dumb because they turn him back into a likable character in the finale. I never Did liked I, him ever, so I don't know what you're talking about. They never do it to do with that character. No, and so they wrote him out of the show for like two months and they brought him <laughs> back and they made him a villain. And then, like, that was oh. the best two months of my life. <laughs> they were struggling with it up to the very end. Did I like Jim and Pam's, like, rocky marriage? No. Did I like them making the cast, the the crew of The Office characters in that show's reality? No. That seemed really weird. Like, I felt like this was going to be a big deal. Like there, but it, but it really it, wasn't nope. at all. What went nowhere? It was like two episodes, and it was like, oh, never mind. We don't want to talk to you again. <laughs> and so. Like, I, I won't probably fondly remember this last season of The Office, but I will enjoy those last two episodes, specifically the episode before the finale, which they were like, fuck it, we're just going to do a, our last, like, Dwight and Jim playing pranks on Dwight episode. And it had been such a long time since they had done that. It was so great to watch. Uh, you guys haven't, you, you guys totally checked out on The Office, right? I watched the finale. The episode before that... I didn't watch that one. Dwight makes Jim his assistant to the regional manager. And... (laughs) (laughs) Like, Jim wants to hire someone to be the assistant to the assistant to the regional manager. And he, like, basically makes these tryouts that only Dwight can win. So that Dwight would hire himself as his (laughs) assistant to his assistant. Mm -hmm. And it it was great. It was really fun. As with the finale, I don't know. What did you think, Nancy? I thought it was, uh, like, satisfying. Yeah, I thought it was fine. I, I really liked it. I mean, I, I feel like whenever I watch a finale, I'm, I have very low expectations. So I just... It, it, it did everything that it needed to do. I got my two seconds of Michael, so I was satisfied. Steve Carell comes back, and he's, like, in the background for a few scenes, but he has maybe one or two lines. Not much. They kind of seem like they're improvised lines. Yeah. Well, he said, you know, yeah. 
showed up. Yeah, I guess. Well, he only nope. had really the he had the that's what she said, and then he had the one little tiny speech. I was like, my babies. They grow up and they're marrying each other. <laughs> yep. Well, that's over now. And oddly enough, Ricky Gervais is on YouTube bringing back David Brent now. So it's it's like there always has to be some office in my life. Wait, guess, what? Uh, Ricky Gervais on his YouTube account, he's doing David Brent videos, like one every couple of weeks. Oh, really? Yeah. They're mostly David Brent teaching you how to play guitar, which is pretty funny because he does not teach you how to play guitar. <laughs> it's mainly just him playing terrible David Brent songs. Speaking of songs, you guys, this is the one that you guys were pretty excited about, or at least got me excited about, albums. And we're going to start with maybe the most hyped album of the year. I don't know. Yeezus is pretty hyped up, but um, this would be Daft Punk's Random Access Memories. Get lucky. Get lucky. Lead single. This is enough for even me to check it out because there's so much excitement because I didn't really listen to Daft Punk that much before this one. I really like this album. I think the appeal to me early on was that it was like more like re- real music as opposed mm-hmm. not to say, I mean, that's, that's not, not, not fair to the other stuff. It's different. But it's like them and they're just laying down like funky jams and then putting like some robot stuff on there. That was fun. And then getting lots of guest vocalists. And some work out pretty well. I'd say all the Pharrell tracks are pretty pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, the guy from, what's it, the indie, you know. Panda Bear? Panda Bear, yeah. That's definitely a standout That's track. my favorite that song. That one's so catchy. That's probably my favorite song, too, actually. There's some other ones that I don't know how successful they are, like Julian Casablanca's, but it's like you get through it. What about so. the Giorgio Moroder? Song? That one's really cool, you know, him opening and just telling his story. That worked for me. It it worked for me the first time, and then I like I remember parts of the song, and I want to just listen to that without Giorgio Moroder telling me his life story again and again. Mm, and again. I don't know. I still like it. It works for me for some reason. I wasn't as into the Paul Williams collaboration. Really? Which I know you were. It's too long for me. You think so? It was weird. Paul Williams. I don't know. <laughs> but I. That's what it's kind of what I like about this album is that it goes to so many different places and tries out so many different things. Um, and you can kind of pick it at, pick it up from anywhere. Like, there's all these strong points now. I'm like, I can listen to it in the middle and feel good about that. Well, that's that's what I said in my review. Was this to me was the first Daft Punk album that works as an album. Um, I didn't like the last one, Human After All. I thought it was way too fucking long. But I thought the first two are okay. Wait, you, you is it that long? I feel like it's like 40 minutes, but none of the songs are that memorable. Maybe that's why it feels Maybe long. Maybe that's why it feels long. Perhaps. This one's just a smooth ride yeah. all the way through. Yeah. Big They're dance long, party. I guess. Maybe it's short by Daft Punk standards. I don't past times they probably didn't have this many guest appearances, really. So it's kind of new for them a little bit, you'd say. Yeah. I, mean, I don't well, know. I mean, the big new thing is the fact that they are using real instruments. Yeah. Know, real drums, real bass. Real you got like Nile Rodgers from Sheik going in there. I think it's awesome because he's great. Adds a lot because you know they're the guys that that, that made electronic dance music a, a thing that people are all about. But it just seems so boring to me. <laughs> but hearing this stuff is like, hey, 
kind of like how Giorgio Moroder said, it's like taking stuff from the past and then making music of the future. Yeah. That's kind of what it is. I'd recommend everybody. Because this is definitely, it has a, a very 70s sort of, I don't know, studio feel. Like, you know, those pop groups that were sort of in the studio with this very slick sound. I mean, <laughs> this was an album that actually convinced me to start listening to Steely Dan. So I was like, <laughs> I need something more like this. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> um, but yeah. Be careful, John. Find you if you keep walking. This is because it's a new Nash album. It's called Trouble Will Find Me. Mm-hmm. It has like a head going through a mirror. Yeah. And a song. Is that what the music sounds like? But it's like a head placed through a mirror. Like there's a hole in Say a head going through a mirror. I just imagine <laughs> someone jumping head first through a mirror. It's going to be a sweet album. <laughs> yeah. Like an album. Yeah. He's jumping at you. Blood everywhere. <laughs> I still haven't got around to it because I assume it's like uh, you're moody. You're moody. That's <laughs> fine. Just got flirts. I feel like those. I mean, the, they're such a, a winter band. It, it's so. I don't know. That's how winter or like early I, morning. Like I, they're walking around at six a.m. I know exactly what you're talking about, and I agree with you. Mm-hmm. But they keep releasing their albums in the summer. They, I know they disagree with like you. every single album. Well, it's probably because they record the the album in the winter when they're all moody and depressed. <laughs> but it's like, oh, we got to release this thing. Oh, oh well. <laughs> Who cares if it's late May or whatever? And uh, quite a few listens, and it's it's up to snuff. I think with their all their other albums, which are very good. It's nice to have a band that's, that's so consistent. It is just like only gonna put it away and not listen to it until November or whenever. Just in time for list making. Yeah. Oh boy. Colin, did I ruin Woman by Rock? I I got into it and I was like, this is not really my thing, but it's interesting because it's sort of these adult type of thing which is yeah exactly not the thing I would be listening to but it's got a sort of pop savvy to it it's it's uh, the songs are economical and fun it's only like but then you told me that the lead singer is a woman is a man like no really it's a it's a man the album's called woman I know but the, the lead singer so sensual. So sensual. So seductive. He, so hard to even say, he's singing lyrics like, you know, make love to me. <laughs> See, can a guy get, get away with being so sensual? I don't want to sound sexist, yeah. but it's kind of creepy, isn't it? Marvin Gaye got away with it. Yeah, but he's like smooth. What, what's this guy? I don't know why I care. Like, I need to know what kind of personality I'm listening to before I <laughs> get wrapped up in his sexual lyrics. I guess it's true. I matter. find it very pleasant. Uh, it's excellent late night listening. Catchy to me, and uh-huh. it's in its in its way. I enjoy. It. I'm not ashamed to put it on the list. 
I'm not ashamed to have a man serenade me through digital media. Uh-huh. I mean, he he says he's straight because the title of the album is "Woman." And it's like it's like naked lady back or something on the cover. No, it's like chest, but not but tasteful. And that, that's what says he's straight to Yeah, because, like, check it out. This is for the ladies. Maybe he just respects women so much that he, he doesn't want to taint <laughs> her with his love. <laughs> well, then fine. Basically what I'm saying is I haven't listened to it since you told me that the singer was a man. I'm afraid. I'm okay with it. Okay. I made my peace with it. I was just happy because I feel like a lot of the time I'm I'm wrong about singer genders and you guys are like oh yeah obviously and this is one time I got one over on you and we all got one over on I don't know death when we got modern vampires of the city the new vampire weekend record it's a little abstract <laughs> they're immortal you see vampires okay and we're I consider us to be modern vampires of the city. All right. That's good enough for me. Yeah, this was... A, a, I don't know. I don't know if it's a surprise. I just, like... I, Vampire Weekend was like, where are they going to go next? Like, I'm never quite sure, because their sound is hard to classify. And I'm not even sure I know what it is that they're doing now, but it's so great. I guess this one definitely had, a, like, a more integration of, like, Baroque pop, kind of, like, strings, like little pocket symphonies, kind of, with songs like Step or... Yahe and stuff but then they still got like the little kind of rocker ones that kind of remind me of ones that might be on the first album sort of but then it's also like spiritual yeah very more introspective lyrics which is interesting to see because Ezra Koenig was for so long just the guy with so many sort of ultra literate references that you're like this guy is too smart I just think he has like a coming up with like a preppy douchebag yeah now it's just like he's kind of like zen or something. it is it's nice to see him uh, more at peace with himself I suppose and the music is kind of like that it's more laid back I, I mean I don't feel as much of the, the first album on this one which is great because they they pull off a totally different thing but you know their melodies are so catchy that I guess they can just take it into other places, which is pretty cool. Lots of interesting vocal manipulation, too, you got, like, on Yae, and, of course, on Diane Young. Summer Jam 2013. I wasn't aware until I got back um, to the Seattle area where, you know, I can get the end, like, how often it's played on the end, which is, like, every other song. I'm so excited about it. Like, that, it's, like, freaking everywhere on, like, so much better radio. Than, where do you work? <laughs> oh, I hate that song so much. That's so terrible. That's like the worst thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Diane Young is a song I never tire of. I, it's weird because the first time I heard it, I was like, this is weird. Can this be a single? And now I'm like, how can it not be a single? <laughs> Which is, it, it, it combines so much into such a short amount of time. I feel like all these songs combine like a lot in there and like interesting combinations of things. You bet. That's why I say it's hard to classify, but like, it even like for a minute, I asked myself, like, do I like this better than the first one? Like, I don't know that I do, but the fact that it even made me think about that, it was like, wow, that's really good. I was just so excited because I wanted to like the second Vampire Weekend album. I really did. I'd listened to it many times, many different parts of my life. I'm in different moods, different seasons, <laughs> different ideas of what's right and wrong. And I still, 
never got into whatever that's Contra. called. Contra. Contra. Maybe on your deathbed, you're like, <laughs> 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 Now I get it. <laughs> you like listen to the whole thing, you're like, I get it. Not bad. <laughs> but it never clicked for me. And uh, this one did pretty immediately with my like 3,000 listens to Diane Young before the whole rest of the album got released on RDO, my streaming service of choice. I really enjoy it. And another album I really enjoyed was Wondrous Bug House by Youth Lagoon. Uh, but we don't really need to go into detail because I. You guys don't care. It's so savages. Savages. <laughs> intense, man. I don't know. It's a bunch of ladies. They totally rock. Mm-hmm. Pretty about it. I don't know. I feel like it's an album I got really excited about the first few times I heard it. Which I, it's an album I just listened to like three times. Time it leaked, and maybe over time I will be. Yeah, maybe over time I don't know if I'll continue to love it as much because I don't know the songwriting isn't amazing, but you know you can tell it's a bunch of musicians that had just kind of gotten together recently and just found this sort of energy that clicks really well, and it's nice to hear an album like that where it, you know, just feels like it could only be created by four people in a room live just bashing out these songs I'm pretty about it uh, My Bloody Valentine released the most unexpected album of the year because the last one they released was in 1991 and for years Kevin Shields was trying his best to put out a follow up to Loveless this classic album that everybody loves well, I don't know. I was always, I always thought it was a little overrated, but this album came out. I got really excited about it because it was kind of like a Chinese democracy sort of thing, where it was like, "Is this for real? Is this really happening?" And uh, it's pretty Did good. Have, it made me appreciate their other music more too. I, I feel like MTV didn't have as many like false starts and fake release dates like Chinese Democracy did. No, it was it a didn't. bigger surprise. It was more of a yeah, it was more of an enigma. Like, is this even happening? Mm-hmm. Is this music even out there? And then like a week before it was released, they were <laughs> they were doing a live show. My Bloody Valentine. Kevin Shields was like, "Yeah, I guess we're gonna release our album next week." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and they're. That was recorded and put on YouTube, and uh, it actually came out. What do you know? And it sounds, you know, pretty much just like their early stuff, which is here because not many bands have really been able to have throning heavy guitars, but all beautiful. And, yes. Yes, I wish I could get deeper into. Uh, noise rock is that what this is called well shoegaze is the shoegaze term, which is such an outdated term at this point yeah. but uh we're so uh, anymore. yeah y'all look up straight up skyward is that your new genre of music <laughs> skyward I remember being really triumphant 
It's basically the Superman theme song played on electric guitar. Uh, I like this. Mm-hmm. I have to. I have to work at it. it just came so naturally to me. And that's. And that just goes back to my my problem with myself as a music critic, where I can't tell the difference between good music and bad music. I can just tell the difference between music I like and music I don't like. Mm-hmm. And that's okay, I think. Yeah, I think. Speaking of telling the difference between good and bad, let's let's quickly do our movie list before we call it a show. Uh, start with you, Colin, and before midnight. So this is the third series of films, Richard Linklater, starring uh, Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke. Uh, Sunrise, that for uh, Sunset, that was in the 2000s. This uh, catches up with the same characters who uh, are now married. And this movie, I don't know, it's just people talking. It's really good. No aliens or robots? No aliens or robots. I know you're holding out for (laughs) whatever movie in this series reveals that Ethan Hawke has been actually uh, transmitting his findings on human relationships to some higher power on a distant planet. Wouldn't that be a great twist? I don't even know. (laughs) I might be kind of pissed off. I think that would be really brave filmmaking to have a long-running series. A movie that's so, like, ingrained in sort of finding the truth in human relationships in the most raw, honest way possible. And it's just like, nope. Aliens, yo. <laughs> the back half could just be fucking battle Los Angeles. That <laughs> <laughs> sound very good. Yes. <laughs> like, why would you do that? Like, this is a, a bold filmmaking experiment. You guys have to be willing to think outside the box. I saw a guy wearing a shirt today who said, you'll have the whole time you're dead to think inside the box. And it was written inside of a coffin. <laughs> Don't think inside the box, man. You got to get out. You got to live. Get to live your life. Coney 2012. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you just put that cherry on top to uh, to reveal how little sense that will <laughs> Trade of logic made. <laughs> He's still out there. You gotta get that guy. <laughs> no one cares, Sean. We've moved on. But uh, we have not moved on from the Fast and Furious franchise. And, you know, I guess it's kind of a good thing because they're actually kind of getting better. There's gonna be a legitimately good movie in this franchise. I think around Fast 9 or 10, it's gonna be. <laughs> Something. So this isn't a legitimately good movie. It depends on what you mean by legitimately. Good characters in the story. No. no. <laughs> but good. But action set pieces. Hell yes. I mean, what, what more can we say than what we said in our podcast? Things exploding out of things. Things exploding into things. Things coming out of explosions. People flying over canyons on. <laughs> other into each other on cars living. You will believe a man can fly and also fucking punch a bro while he's flying. It's dumb. It's got so many problems if you think about it. But 
I just find it absurdly entertaining and I can't resist it. And their teaser for Fast 7 was enough that I'm on board for another ride, uh, I guess, like next year or the year after that. Uh, I can only hope The Rock gets more muscular and Vin Diesel somehow shrinks, <laughs> but his voice gets deeper anyway. Why do you want him to shrink? Because I think it's funny how he's like the, he's like a tiny guy now um, in that franchise. <laughs> yeah. Still, no one can match his voice. You think that'll play into it? He'll use his voice in some <laughs> scene to like, kill <laughs> him. <laughs> 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 like they're in a up. cave or something and like you get to the megaphones and they'll go you know what they haven't rumbled in. you know what they haven't done yet in these movies is actually put weapons on the guys cars like you, you notice that in this one they had the bad guys with the super like make cars flip over when they when you ran into them vehicle and they had the guy with the gun that deactivates cars and they had the tank but the good guys are always just driving like fancy racing cars so you don't have like sweet speed racer cars no they don't have james bond cars which you think they would have at this but point what do you want those i think it's gonna happen eventually because uh, I mean that's what this movie is all about vehicular warfare. yeah well because it's also got to be about the cars yeah. they're gonna have lost it if they, if they don't have great car action in all the movies they're shooting each other punching each other because like you can't how can you call it Fast and Furious where they run really fast (laughs) (laughs) that would be good I want Vin Diesel to have like a stereo that amplifies his voice (laughs) he has like a little microphone (laughs) so everyone has like a themed weapon on their car yeah it's hooked up to his car it's like a PA but (laughs) it's it's like oh god <laughs> They're blown up all over the place. Mass earthquake. I'm really liking this. Fast and Furious Massacre. I don't know what Paul Walker's themed weapon would be. It yeah, was something boring. <laughs> Banana peels coming out the bat. Elevate. Elevate. Why does everything have to be music? And they're like sound related. <laughs> Because we got to talk about Francis Ha. Talk about. Wow. Francis Ha was the other half of our sweet good movie, bad movie episode. Uh, I think we saw Fast. Fast Did we? Six on a Friday, then we saw Francis Ha on a Saturday. <laughs> back to back, as the way God intended. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite movie of the year. I think John's favorite movie of the year. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Before Midnight. Yeah. It's. it's it's like your Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got so much building towards it. Got so much invested, man. A delightful indie dramedy. What are we call it dramedy. Dramedy, character study, all those things. Mm-hmm. Quirky, funny, insightful, relatable to some people. There's probably some stuff to some extent. Definitely not a woman living in New York, but uh, and I don't dance, but there's still other things. Because it's just dealing with adulthood while not being the most adult kind of person. And then also the fact that trying to be like an artist in a way, and we're all genuinely creative people, so you can kind of relate to that a little bit. So that's pretty funny. I like the one guy in there who's like working on his script for Gremlins 3. <laughs> uh, and then 
and the movie looks beautiful, and the soundtrack is amazing. It's a real eclectic old music, kind of Wes Anderson-y, like stuff that he approve of. I'm sure this gets Fitting a seal of Yeah, of course they work together. So yeah, and it's charming, and I'm glad like it wasn't like depressed. For some reason, I was like afraid of that. Like it would end and be like, oh fuck, it this just seems like sad. That's like the thing to do with indie movies, and especially with Noah Baumbach. Well, and a, and a movie about Arrested Development, too. That's always... It's like, you know, you got to give up your dream and then like get an office job and then work that until you die. That's that's the ending that all these movies tend to have in my head. <laughs> uh, maybe that's not fair to say, because this was definitely in the style of Woody Allen, and, and he, I don't think he ever goes that sad. He does sometimes. You haven't seen Crimes and Misdemeanors. I have not seen Crimes and Misdemeanors. It's pretty sad. Interesting that uh, the movie in the style of Woody Allen turned out so well when the movie we saw in the style of Terrence Malick kind of left us wanting more. Ain't Them Body Saints, remember that? Yeah. So it's if. It was okay. It's alright. I was predicting like that it's, has a, a big enough cast that it'll probably like come around. Later in the year, people be talking about it. Comes out in August. Yeah, yeah. People be talking about it. Maybe we'll be like, like, ah, we already were mildly pleased with that. (laughs) Sweet, can't wait for that list at the end of the year. Uh, But John, the segue I was going to say earlier was speaking (laughs) of sound. You were a fan of the documentary Sound City. Yeah, it's kind of a different choice for this list. I guess I am probably never going to get any other opportunity to talk about it, so might as well go for it. It's a documentary by Dave Grohl about Sound City Studios in California. Of course, really recorded. Never mind. Uh, Fleetwood Mac, Rumors, Tom Petty, Damn the Torpedoes. A lot of great albums in this like shitty, totally shitty studio. But like the soundboard was like freaking amazing. And uh, the studio's like closing down. It's so, like Dave Grohl like buys it, and then he's like gonna use it to make like new new music. Um, before I get to that, all the all, all the interesting part is just hearing the history of the studio and how they recorded certain songs. Like they go really in depth into the recording of Jesse's Girl, I guess, Rick Springfield and everything. And that's actually pretty interesting. All the, the story and all the people who worked there. And if you're just a music fan, you'll be interested in how all this stuff was put together. Kind of how Fleetwood Mac—they're basically formed around this studio. That's pretty integral. I didn't know into their forming. So that's really interesting. The only downer to this movie is at the end. Dave Grohl's like, look, hey, let's cut like a new album with everyone who's worked here and some other people. And all the songs, it's like really bad. <laughs> they totally suck. They got like Stevie Nicks in it. It's like, oh, this is stupid. Like singing about the devil. And then he's like Josh Homie Hom, whatever his name from Queens of Stone Age, because that's who Dave Grohl always collaborates with. <laughs> and that's not that interesting. The only good song they really do is they get Paul McCartney in there and Chris Novoselic and Pat Smear, and they all do this rock song that's not bad and it's cool that Paul McCartney's there hanging out with Dave Grohl like that whole portion of the movie is really cool uh, but I would never listen to the soundtrack of this it's sad when like aside from that when you can say like the best song is the one they did with like Rick Springfield but um just really interesting listening all the backstory of all that stuff and Dave Grohl's pretty um interesting subject he's in the movie a lot even though he directed he's like kind of the star too so yeah if you like music documentaries, I definitely recommend it. I'm sure it'll pop up on Netflix or something at some point. Probably. And uh, the last movie I wanted to talk about was a comedy film we all saw. This is the end. Good. That was very funny. Surprising. I haven't laughed that hard in a the theater for a long time. 
I was just constantly laughing. It was on my I think it was on John's yeah, was, anticipated list. And too. I remember the thing saying that I was worried about is that it would get too weighed down by some sort of other plot, you know, like like it's, it's the end of the world, we gotta do this and we gotta do this, we gotta do this. But it really wasn't. It was basically all these guys in James Franco's house and there's all these just little bits, you know, as all just kind of playing off each other. Mm. Yeah, because I kept waiting for them to leave the house and they just didn't forever. And that's what kind of what was great about it. Yeah, exactly. It was their boredom. Like, they make a trailer to Pineapple Express 2. <laughs> I, I mean, I practically lost when Jonah Hill was playing Woody Harrelson. <laughs> we just four with people. People love it. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Or that bit. I know there's a bunch of, like, high schoolers behind us that are just losing it when Danny McBride was talking about leaving, like, loads all I over was, the house. I was dying. Oh my god! And then later he's talking about how it was a cub for help, and like those are tears by penis. <laughs> you know, I think I'm done with coming. I think I'm just ready to go. And <laughs> he's such an asshole, and that like totally worked. Like, I was afraid at first that like, oh, Jonah Hill's really funny. It's going to be his movie, but everyone like held their own. Like yeah. everyone in there for a reason and had their great moments. And there's and there's almost too much like so many bits and jokes going on mm-hmm. that you're never bored and it just moves along and it's and there's still like a little story in there. It's not just like total like insanity. Like there's there's a beginning, middle, and end, mm-hmm. and the characters go through a change. You know, it's still like a real movie. Yeah. <laughs> Supposedly, only about fifty percent of it was improvised. Oh yeah, which is pretty good. Yeah, that's interesting. Fifty percent though, that's still a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I love all the cameos. Uh I wouldn't want to spoil any of them, though my favorite is probably I don't know what my favorite is. It's either the one at the end or when Danny McBride's with his marauders. <laughs> his cannibal people. That was pretty cool. My, and the special effects too. Amazing. I think, like, yeah, I think my favorite cameo was Jason Siegel. <laughs> I don't know why. I just thought it was really funny how it Kevin Hart was like, yeah, that's why you're number one. <laughs> oh, I ate the cake. <laughs> that's pretty good. Oh, and Paul Rudd was pretty funny. Showed up. I, I couldn't tell if he was coming to the party or was he invited to the party or was he doing his own thing? Like, his own thing. That's what I love, man. It's so unexplained. Yeah. <laughs> Bottle of champagne. What's he? And he crushes a woman's head. He steps <laughs> on it. Sorry. <laughs> it's a funny movie and uh, kind of unexpectedly funny, given like the series of disappointing movies that came before it and after it. Uh, I'm looking at you, Star Trek Into Darkness, and Iron Man Three. You're all right. I like that. Man of Steel. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go see it with you, John, if you want to go see it. I'll give it a second shot, I guess. Uh, I'll run into it. <laughs> <laughs> My enthusiasm for that is just so low now. Yeah, I can't <laughs> So you're saying those will probably be our contenders for mildly pleasing. Uh, they're definitely front runners in, in my book. Yeah. Uh, what about Henry Cavill as, a, as an actor? Yeah, that's, that's pretty mildly pleasing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's not given much to do. I have a hard time assessing him. I feel like he lived up to the material he was presented with mm-hmm. admirably. He just didn't have much. Like you, 
the, this, the Clark Kent scene at the end. That was fun. I look forward to more of that. Plus, he's, his muscles are so big, John. He's a hairy dude, too. He's got just yeah, I re- yeah, Superman. I, re- I totally re- fascinated by the physique of <laughs> men. Well, I, I'm, I'm getting, I've been listening to a lot of Rye lately, and I'm getting in touch with a lot of stuff. I totally respect a hairy Superman. I'm all, I'm all about that. It's real, you know. Real men have hair. Oh, yeah. Superman can't shave because... His hair is, he's a man of steel, so his hair must be like iron at least. Is that, is that right? His hair, too? I don't know. If that was true, would he have like long flowing locks? Well, there's a whole like Gillette ad campaign based around Man of Steel, so I don't know if Tony and Blade? Check this shit out. The answer from the script, like an original draft of the script, was the Superman bounces his heat vision off a mirror to melt his beard off his face. That was like that was like in the script originally. I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah, I don't know how you would have not made that incredibly silly. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, there's a lot to look forward to for movies this year, more than TV or albums or even video games. There's a ton ahead of us. We got Scorsese movies. We got Malick movies. We got Anchorman. We got another Malick movie? To the Wonder It Doesn't Have a Wide Release. Later this year. <laughs> That's like way <laughs> like three months ago. There is there's another one. Yeah. Why didn't we go see it? To be very good reviews well, for one thing. I don't know. There was just a period where I'm like, hey, we should go see a movie. How about uh, something indie? And you're like, eh. and it just would fall apart. <laughs> you should have given me more details. And then more bigger mainstream movies came out like Iron Man and Star Trek. I'm like, well, yeah, it's just can see the big blockbusters. I want to see that shit. Yeah, I mean, it's I got do some too. coming out, but I don't know when. I feel like yeah, he doesn't have another movie coming out strangely soon, though. Like anyway, two. Pacific yeah. Rim in a few weeks. That's all I care about anyway. <laughs> it's gonna be so good. I hope so. I'm excited for At World's End too. Oh yeah, the the Sun Pig, Nick Frost. Mm-hmm. I've no reason to believe that won't be good, just because all their other collaborations, Edgar Wright and those mm-hmm. guys, have been good. So. I'm confident, even though the trailers are just like, oh, okay. And let's not forget the Wolverine. Let's forget. Well, let's. we'll see. <laughs> or will not. So uh, there are some of our favorite things thus far. We've got just as much time as we've had in 2013 so far to do again. So... At the end of the year, like at least twice as long. Okay. You got to start putting things on the list. What have you been checking out, Nancy? What's your life been like? Here? <sighs> Just a lot of. I, I watch like every uh, View Askew verse movie, so I'm just getting ready for Clerks 3 in like three years. So that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Nice. Keep it up. <laughs> yes. And uh, if you want to stay published, check us out on uh, mildlyplease.com. And if you haven't subscribed yet, it's on iTunes. That's cool. So I'll see you next week. And for the rest of 2013, we've been Top 10 Thursdays. <laughs> <laughs>